you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, what's up, Movement Church? Come on, Studio Campus, what's up? To our online family and friends, we're so glad that you're with us. Man, I'm telling you, you chose the right time, the right moment in history to tune in. For those of you that are seated so comfortably and coldly in your seats, come on, give yourself a round of applause for being here tonight. I want to preach a message to you that came out of my own personal devotions. I, my wife and I make a daily habit every day, uh, Sunday through Sunday. We get up at early before our family gets up. Actually, our kids have, are in the habit now as well, and we just spend time reading the Word and in prayer, just going, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do in and through us? And this just kind of came from that time. So I want to share this. Uh, it's a story about a, one of the chief characters in the Old Testament. His name is Joseph. Everyone say Joseph. I'm going to dive right in because I'm going to unpack about 15 years in about 30 minutes. And so I just want to briefly kind of tell you that there's no way I can tell you the whole story. And I probably won't even tell you how it ends. So here's my encouragement. Check out Genesis chapter 36 through 38. You can read the whole story, but here's kind of the, the, the summarization. The, to summarize the story, Joseph is the youngest of 12 boys. That's a big family. And uh, he was his father's favorite, and we know this because they gave Jacob, his father gave Joseph a coat of many colors, which just meant that it was uh, very special. The, the colors were symbolic of, of how much Jacob loved his youngest son, Joseph. And, and Joseph also was a dreamer. In fact, he had two very specific dreams, and they were very unique, and they were prophetic. Now, the problem is Joseph was a little bit cocky. Turn to your neighbor and say he was a little bit cocky. And he shared his dreams with his brothers and his fathers. And his dreams were that there would be a day in the future when all of his brothers who were older than him and his father and mother would bow down before Joseph. So this made Joseph's brothers a little bit angry. They weren't too stoked about who he was. So now we pick up in this in Genesis chapter 37. Verses 12 through 13. We're going to jump through some scriptures. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to unpack a few thoughts for you today. So listen fast, laugh hard, and amen loud. Amen? Amen. amen. Genesis chapter 37, verse 12 through 13. It says this. Now his brothers went to pasture, pasture their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, who was also Jacob, Joseph's father, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flocks at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. Verse 18, we're jumping down. They saw him from afar, this is Joseph's brothers, and before he came near, these are really good guys, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Now, I've had some pretty gnarly fights with my siblings, but I feel confident none of them conspired to kill me, and I know I didn't conspire to kill them. Come now, let us kill him and throw him in, into one of these pits. Then we, we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. 
Jump down to 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Now, you don't know this, maybe, but the Ishmaelites were like sworn enemies. And they were coming with their camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is, after all, our brother. I guess his conscience caught up with him. Our own flesh and his brothers listened to him. So here's Joseph with the coat of many colors, the dreamer, the favorite son, a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant. His brothers aren't a big fan of him. They conspire to kill him, throw him in a pit, and then decide to sell him into slavery. Let's pray and see what God wants to do and say tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're in this moment with us. Sometimes I forget that this moment is actually happening because I'm so focused on, God, where I'm going or I'm so concerned about where I've been. But God, right now, you push pause on everything and you're leaning into this moment with me, with those that are sitting in this room, with those that are tuning in online. And we don't want to miss that moment. So God, we want to hear what you want to say to us through the story of Joseph. We want to hear what you want to speak to us. So we open our hearts and our ears to hear whatever it is that you want to say. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, let's just dive into this story. Like, What, what is the, the, the concept that is happening and what can we pull? In fact, I could literally, and we have done series on the life of Joseph. In fact, in 2019, we did a series on him. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can do that. But there's so much that takes place here. It can be overwhelming. But one of the things that I pull from this pad, pa passage of Scripture is that bad blanks happen. If you're taking notes, write that down. And I wrote blanks on purpose. Bad blanks happen. Because I think you could fill that with the word weeks. Right? You ever had a bad week? Not just a bad day. Are you here, studio audience? You ever had a bad week? Not just a bad day, but a bad week. I think also, you ever had a bad month? A bad month that takes place. Like, when will this month be over? Any of us who survived 2020 had a bad year. Can I get an amen? Right? So, bad weeks and months and years happen. And here we find Joseph who really gets the crappy end of the stick. Like, he didn't do anything to deserve this bad moment that he experienced. He was a little arrogant, but I don't think the arrogance was deserving of death or being sold into slavery. And he's a punk, no doubt, but he didn't really deserve this. And, and my question for you at the top of, of this message is, have you ever felt like you just didn't deserve the bad week or the bad month or the bad year? You ever been there? Like, where you're just kind of sitting there going, man, what? What in the world? I, what did I do? You ever done that? What did I do? You ever been in a fight like, what did I say? Like, what in the world happened? Why am I walking through this moment? Now, listen, sin has consequences, but we're not talking about sin here. Often, 
the bad weeks and months and years, they just kind of hand you stuff that you did not earn. You, you did not earn it. There's nothing you could have done to change it. There's nothing you could have done to avoid it. Sometimes, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You just, you get handed something by life and there's nothing you could have done differently. You, you, you didn't ask for parents who would neglect you. you. You didn't ask for that family member who abused you. You were just born into that family. You, you didn't ask for an alcoholic mom or dad. You, you didn't ask for a spouse who would cheat it. You, you didn't ask for that cancer that you got. You, you didn't earn that. It just happened. You didn't ask for that close loved one to die far too soon. You, you didn't ask to be laid off due to downsizing. You, you didn't ask to be unable to bear children. You, you thought you were living the American dream to just get married and everything was going to work, but it just doesn't work. And you've been to doctors and there's nothing that you can do to change it. You didn't ask to be sexually molested. You didn't ask to be raised in extreme poverty. You ever been there where just, there's just something that life handed you and you can't control it? You didn't ask for it. And it sucks, man. I mean, it really does. Like there are times when life just hands you things and it's just it's no good. And I think Joseph can identify and the challenging thing for Joseph is the bad breaks continue. He gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And he ends up in a house of one of the chief king's guards. And this guy's wife falsely accuses Joseph of raping her. So obviously the husband throws him in prison. So now He's, he's conspired, his brothers conspired to kill him. They sell him into slavery. He's a slave. He's falsely accused of rape. And now he finds himself in prison. And I just know that the challenging part of our life, especially if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, is that we have never been promised perfect weeks, months, or years. That's just the hard part. You know, I think a lot of times people think, well, maybe if, I, if I'm in the middle of some junk and I say yes or start this whole Christian thing, maybe things will get perfect. No, somebody's selling you something and it ain't Jesus. We were never promised a perfect week, perfect months, perfect years. We were just promised to be strengthened in the midst of the bad weeks, months, and years. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Whenever Jesus is saying that, he's prepping you for some rough stuff. I done told you. You need some peace. Why? Because in the world you will have tribulation. Tribulation is not small things. It's crisis of epic proportion. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Because I've overcome the world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, but we have the, this treasure in the jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, 
but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. So look at me in the eyes, whether you're in this room or on the other side of that lens right now, listen to me. God never promised us perfect weeks, months, or years. He just promised to give us strength in the midst of it. So if you find yourself in the midst of a weak moment, in the midst of what feels like a prison, in the midst of what feels like something you didn't ask for and you didn't earn, just listen, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Bad weeks and months and years happen. We were promised strength, so let's jump back into this story where we find Joseph, whose brothers are treacherous. They devise this plan to to kill him, then they sell him into slavery, and then they devise this plan to trick Joseph's father. And look at the response of Jacob in this story. This is where I want to park for a few moments. This is what kind of jumped off the pages for me in my time of devotion. Genesis chapter 37, verse 31, it says this. Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, look what we have found. Please identify whether this is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and he said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments, put on sackcloth and and his loins, and he mourned his son for many days. His son said, hey, is this Joseph's coat of many colors? It's soaked in blood. And he looked at it and he said, it is. My son is gone. He's been devoured. What I think is interesting is that Jacob arrived at the wrong conclusion. They merely presented their father a blood-soaked coat, but it was Jacob who arrived at the conclusion that Joseph was dead, which led him to mourning. A bad day, a bad moment magnified. How often does the enemy merely present what seems like facts, and then we do the heavy lifting of putting together the lies? And we then believe those lies and we live accordingly. To believe means to live. He doesn't even have to say anything. He just presents what seems like facts. And we arrive at a conclusion that this is hopeless, that this is awful. We construct the lies of the enemy ourselves and we walk in that life. Jacob had the means to go after those stinking slave traders. He could have risen up an army and run. He could have said, boy, you lying. My kid wasn't devoured by an animal. Where is that boy? You tell me right now. He could have chased down those Ishmaelites and either destroyed them or bought his son back. But he was presented some facts that seemed like facts. And he arrived at the conclusion. And this bad moment marked his life. It marked his life with mourning and depression. He stayed in that mode for almost 16 years. It marked his life, completely bound by what seemed to be the truth. But it was merely a conclusion that he arrived at. 
So here's some questions that I have for you. What lies have the bad days presented to you? You've walked through some bad days. You've walked through some bad weeks. You've walked through some bad months. You've walked through some bad years. You've been in the midst of moments that felt overwhelming. What were the lies that were presented to you? But here's my second question. What conclusions have you arrived at? What conclusions have you arrived at? Listen to the four definitions of the word conclusion. Conclusion, number one. The end of or finish of an event or a process. Perhaps you arrived at the conclusion that your marriage was over simply because there was infidelity. Perhaps you arrived at the conclusion that your marriage is over because there's a callousness or a lack of intimacy. Perhaps you arrived at the conclusion that your life is over simply because the doctor gave you a diagnosis. What conclusions have you arrived at? Second definition of conclusion is the summing up of an argument. And perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that your parents' neglect summed up the argument that you were in fact flawed, no longer desirable, or they wouldn't have neglected you. The argument's over. They wouldn't have neglected me if I wasn't flawed in the first place. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that your sexual abuse summed up the argument that you were of no value. Conclusion, definition number three, the settling of or the settling or arrangement of a treaty or agreement. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that I can't have children, so the arrangement is settled. The desires of my heart will never be fulfilled. It's done. I desperately want to have a child. I can't have a child. I'm always going to live broken. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that I was raised in poverty. It's all I've known. It's settled. I'll always be living paycheck to paycheck. I I grew up in extreme poverty. Evicted from multiple homes over a few short span of years on food stamps. I can remember moments where my entire family and all of our belongings were packed in a a Buick LeSabre. We didn't know where we were going to stay that night. I've lived in hotels for months as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, where the only food that we had was food that was dropped off by a church who had a food pantry and some saintly individual would just bring by another couple bags of groceries every few days and we would have Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch and and my parents found this restaurant near that if the adults would eat then their kids would eat for free so my mom and dad would split a hamburger and they didn't know my parents had seven kids. I think they changed that rule after our family showed up every night. My parents would split a burger because they couldn't even afford to. I know what that is like to, to wake up in that. I, I can't even tell you the number of hotels that I've slept in on the floor where you can see out a crack in the wall because it's such a, a, a like a no-tell motel, like with hourly rates. But we didn't have anything else. We're in one room with one bed and there was five of us. So I remember thinking this must be normal. 
I remember at a moment thinking, I don't know if I want to have kids and them experience this. It's easy to arrive at conclusions because it seems like facts have been presented, but they're just lies from the enemy. Conclusion definition number four. A judgment or decision reached by reasoning. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that you've failed so many times so it's only reasonable that you are in fact a failure. That's all you've known. In fact, maybe it stunted you from trying new things because you don't wanna fail again. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that others seem to be so much further along in their life, so it's only reasonable that something is wrong with me. Perhaps you've arrived at the conclusion that judgment has already been passed. You are the summation of your past mistakes. This is as good as it gets. There's no hope or reconciliation. There is no redeeming quality. My past is too jaded. My past is too jacked up. And so it's just reasonable to arrive at the conclusion that there is no hope for my future. But that's not what my Bible says. My Bible talks about hope for the future. My Bible talks about a grace that is sufficient for you. And for you, and for you, and for you. In fact, my Bible says that Jesus cast away our sin as far as the east is from the west. Some of you have arrived at the conclusion that you're not good enough for Jesus. And in an odd way, we aren't. We we can't ever measure up. And yet Jesus, in one act of selfless love, said, I'll take the shame and the sin of all humanity on my back, on my shoulders, so that people who don't measure up, they now do. It's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense. Jesus said, I choose to become the payment for your sin." And there's some of you who are watching. There are some of you who are in this room who you need to begin the journey with Jesus. And that's what this moment is about for you. It's about just starting. I'm just presenting the facts to you right here, right now, that you don't have to get good to get to God. It's just about simply choosing Him. So if you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Him, or if you're watching And you need to begin that journey. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. I'm going to pray a prayer. And right where you're seated, right where you're watching, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And as you do, I believe God's going to begin something in your life. Would you do me a favor? Everybody in the room, everybody watching, wherever you're at, unless you're driving, bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If that's you and you've never begun the journey with Jesus, this is your moment. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to eradicate your past. It's just simply about saying yes to who he is. Why don't you make this prayer your own, maybe in a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart. Just say, dear God, 
I'm tired of arriving at the wrong conclusions. I'm tired of believing the lies. I'm tired of thinking that there's no hope. I'm not perfect. This statement's so important. I want you to say this. Would you forgive me? And then make this statement. From the sincerity of your heart, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.